Good morning. Happy Easter and welcome to the fifth virtual service at the UUAC at First Parish in Sherburne. I'm Matt Andrus, a member and worship associate of this congregation. The following is an adaptation of a work by Alex Holt. Welcome to all those who celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. May this day be another affirmation of divine love and promise. Welcome to all those who see the eternal story of new spring and life beginning anew. May you breathe deeply of a season of promise and hope. Welcome to all who are experiencing despair or hopelessness this Easter. May you find in the darkness or depression a doorway to light and warmth that offers you freedom. Welcome to all. Together, we can do what no one isolated person can do. Rolling the heavy stone aside reminds us we are far more powerful than we ever could be on our own. Our offering of strong hands to help our prayers made real. Let us begin again to love. Welcome. Thank you, Matt. Good morning, everyone, and happy Easter. So nice to see you all here today. Uh, we're going to have a few quick announcements before we get started. Uh, first of all, we're recording this service, just so everyone's aware, and it'll be posted on our YouTube page later today. Um, you have options, view options. In the upper right-hand corner, you can have speaker or gallery view. Speaker view will show you a larger image of whoever is currently speaking, but gallery view allows you to see everyone that's here. So when you get a chance, I encourage you to switch to gallery view so you can flip through and see everyone in their beautiful Easter bonnets. Um, I invite you guys to look for the chat box. If you click the chat link at the bottom of your screen, the chat box will open on your right and you can, you'll be invited to add prayers there later in the service, not right now, but when we do our prayers. Also, find a chalice if you don't already have one or a candle that you can light. We'll be doing that in just a moment. And we're going to be having a virtual coffee hour after church today. So after the postlude, stick around if you want to participate. It's about 20 minutes. You'll be automatically sorted into groups of about eight or 10 people. And there you can see folks and chat a little bit and, uh, and share some, some of your Easter plans with each other. And then after coffee hour, if you come back to this main space, we'll be doing a brief realm and pledging tutorial with Kevin Paul. So if you wanna participate in that and learn how you can um, pledge online for next year and fulfill your pledge for this year, just come back to this space after the coffee hour and Kevin will walk you through a tutorial. Um, and I also wanna remind you that you're all on mute. So anyone who's speaking in the service this morning, just remember to unmute yourselves when it's your turn. So check our weekly uh, emails for uh, activities coming up in the following week. We send them out Monday mornings and Thursday evenings. And if you are new to us today, welcome. We're very happy to have you. There is a link in the chat box that, to our welcome card. So feel free to fill that out if you would like to receive more information about our congregation, if you'd like to be contacted by the ministers and more. So without further ado, let us get started. Please take a moment and say hi to everybody.
Just bear with us, folks. We'll, be, we'll start this in a second. Please join us in our opening words this morning, which will be shared on the screen. I will lead the minister's part and Emily will lead the responding part. And please join along with Emily, though you'll be muted. In ancient times, they said, Dainu, it is enough. It would have been enough to have been spared the plagues. It would have been enough to be freed of slavery. It would have been enough to have had food in the desert. Bear with us again. Yeah. 
Now we question, when will it be enough again? Dainu. When will it be enough to stay home? When will it be enough if we are deemed essential? Will it be enough to wear a mask? Will it be enough to keep us well in the midst of the plague that has not passed over? Now we wonder, worry, wish for answers. Dainu. It would have been enough. It will be enough again. If the story of Passover is told and teaches us how to live in this time, it will be enough. If the stories of our ancestors bring us hope for tomorrow, it will be enough. If we join in remembering that we come from people who have survived again and again, it will be enough. Dayenu, it will be enough that we are together today. Come. Come. Let, Let us, us worship together. together. Good morning, everyone. Our first hymn today is Lo, the Earth Awakes Again, my personal favorite Easter hymn. And we have a whole bunch of our um, choir and other singers from church to sing with you. And the lyrics are in the chat box. Please sing along in your homes.
Good morning, everyone, and happy Easter. Invite us to find a chalice from home. And if you don't have an actual chalice, there's an app on your smartphone from the worship web. And as we light our chalice, I invite us to say together our covenant. You can hold your chalice up to your camera. Love is the spirit of this church and service is its law. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek truth in love, and to help one another. We'll now have our doxology. everyone. It's so good to see all of your faces and I miss you all. It's fun to see everybody's Easter outfits for those who are wearing fun things. So I have a story this morning for us and I would like to invite the children to come up a little bit closer to the screen so I can see you especially. And this morning Karen will be illustrating our, our story for us. And first we're going to tell the story and at the end I have our wonder box and I have something in our wonder box and I will pull it out at the end. Are you ready? And Emily's going to help us tell the story. So as many of you know, Easter is a time when we remember the end of Jesus's life. And it's a very special day for many Christians. And you might remember way from way, way, way back in December, the other big holiday we celebrate about Jesus. Emily, do you remember what that was? December just seems so long ago. Uh, Christmas? Oh, yes. Christmas. Well, okay. So our story picks up many, many years after that first Christmas actually about 33 years after Jesus had been born and he grew up and he became a carpenter. So our story picks up even after he'd begun to teach people that God loves everyone. Now Jesus had traveled far and wide with 12 of his friends and sometimes his mom and some of her friends and he uh, preached and taught and healed people all over the land. He was a good friend to many people, especially sick people who other people tried to just stay far, far away from, from um, people in prison who most people tried to forget even existed, and poor people who were being bullied by those that were rich and powerful. Jesus kept saying that everyone was worthy, that God loved everyone, and that we should be worshiping love and not money. But unfortunately, the bullies, the rich and powerful people, 
They heard what Jesus was doing and they didn't really like it. They wanted everyone to think that they were the most important and the most powerful people. And Jesus taught that with great power comes great responsibility. And that power and wealth were supposed to be used to make the world more fair. They did not like how Jesus threatened their power and how he went against how they had been running things. So eventually, the Romans killed Jesus. He died on a Friday and was placed in a tomb like a cave with a huge heavy stone rolled across the entrance so that no one could disturb his body. Everyone rested the next day because Jesus was Jewish and Saturday is a day of rest in the Jewish faith. But when the sun came up on Sunday morning, Jesus's mother, Mary, and some other women went to the tomb to get his body ready to be buried. And as they walked to the tomb, they asked each other, who will roll this huge stone away so that we can go inside? But then when they got there, they saw that the stone had already been rolled away. And when they went inside, all they saw was a young man dressed in a white robe. What on earth was going on? Where was Jesus, they wondered. Don't be afraid, said the man. You are looking for Jesus who died, but he is risen from the dead. He isn't here, but please go tell his friends that Jesus has gone to Galilee. Well, they didn't know what to believe. Someone rising from the dead? That sounded a little out there. But the women left the tomb and went to tell the others what they had seen and heard. So in a sense, these women were the first preachers in the Christian tradition. And people have been telling this story for thousands of years. And when we tell stories over and over, it's because that there is something that is important to us in there. And just like the women at the end of the story, when we hear this story today, many of us aren't sure what to believe. But the truth that lies at the heart of a story doesn't have to be limited by whether or not we believe the story is true. So today we celebrate the triumph, the truth at the heart of this Easter story. That love lasts beyond death, that love can triumph over hate, that good things return even when all hope feels lost. And sometimes things that we thought might be lost forever come back to us. So I'm going to stop screen sharing as soon as Karen is done. I will open our wonder box. Give everyone the chance just to take a look at this awesome illustration that Karen has made. So I have our wonder box right here. Inside our wonder box, we have two little things. They are right here. Can everyone see them? Yeah. So I wonder if this looks familiar to any of you. Some of you. And I wonder if you have ideas about what, what to do with these. So this week, those of you who are on our mailing list 
received something very much like that in the mail. It's a packet of wildflower seeds for Easter from UUAC as a symbol of our hope and trust in the future. We know that today many of you are missing traditions that you would regularly be doing. So we'd like to offer you a new tradition, a ritual that we can all do together this afternoon, even though we're separated. So we invite you to take some time this afternoon to go outside with your family and do a small ritual of planting these wildflower seeds together. As you plant the seeds, each person can say one thing that they hope to do in the future or what they want their seed of hope to represent. And if you did not get a packet and you don't have access to seeds in your home, we invite you to do today some small action or ritual that represents to you hope for the future. It could be as small as mailing a letter, calling somebody who you hope to be able to see soon, putting something on your calendar for the coming week, anything that to you represents a hope and a trust that you have for your future. And if you would like to join our mailing list, you can fill out the welcome form that Dara will put in our chat box now. And we'd love to be in touch and get to know you. So friends, as you plant these seeds today, we invite you to remember the Easter story, the promise of renewal, the return of good things to our lives, and the reminder that even across distance, love lives on. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Heather and Emily and Karen, who, for those of you who don't know, is my wife, and she's the uh, one with the real talent in the house. Um, we have all seen over these last many weeks how important the um, community is, this church community. For us, it's important for me and uh, how much we need each other. And we want to take some time this morning for a couple of our few of our leaders to uh, to talk about um, how much we need you and uh, and how much your support uh, matters to us in these times. We begin with Peter Gormley. Good morning, happy Easter and happy Passover, friends. I'm Peter Gormley, an advisor to the senior youth group and also treasurer and board member. Um, and I'm going to give a quick shout out to our wonderful youth. I love you all. Uh, full disclosure, my daughter Arwen is a member of the youth group, but I've been uh, participating with the youth group for a number of years, first in 2008. And it's just an amazing bond, an amazing experience to be with the young people and to see the hope and the future of our world there. I'm quite certain they are going to leave the world better than they found it. Um, settling into this Zoom-centric life, I've been wondering how it would be different this morning if we were all together and there was no COVID-19. Um, for one thing, I wouldn't be comfy on my couch, uh, although the pews are not nearly as uncomfortable as Nathan would have you believe. And I have to ask this question, really, Nathan, how would you know anyway? True. And I almost certainly would have been rushing around to get to church. I'm often late, most, most uh, uh, assuredly. Instead, I'm comfy on my couch, not late, and I'm happily Zoom reminding myself of the names of that couple with the two younger children that I've seen in church, um, whose names I don't know, or the woman with whom I have exchanged a smile but never properly greeted and introduced myself. Next time we're together in the sanctuary, I expect all of you to come up and say hello. At some point, most Sundays, tears will come to my eyes and often roll down my cheeks. 
as I relax the iron grip I seem to hold most of the time and start to appreciate the beauty, love, kindness, and safety of our community and this service. The words of our covenant first grabbed me when we first came to the church all the way back in 2004. I often choke up during our call to the ministry at the end of our service, because really I'm a softie. Somehow, imperfectly, this congregation seems to put those words into action, and it moves me. Some of the ministries and groups I've been uh, blessed to experience here, the newish men's group that I've gotten to know people better, like Tom, Mike, Steve, Jim, Gary, Moore, the racial and immigration justice teams, our work with the food pantry and family promise, partakers, all through our service and justice ministries. We have a new family member in our household because the director of Family Promise reached out to us about someone who needed a family and it has changed our lives forever. This community is a place where we help and support others and for me, a place to also be supported and held. Here, I truly get to practice being the person I've always wanted to be. So I've always felt strongly about supporting our church financially. I admit I have sometimes dragged my feet about getting my pledge in. And as treasurer, I will tell you that we can't finish next year's budget unless we know what our pledge campaign will bring in. So please get your pledge in, whatever you think is possible. We know it's an uncertain time. It's just a pledge to help. It's easy, it's fast. We'll get some instructions shortly and thank you. We'll hear from Bill Churchill next. Good morning. <clears throat> morning i'm not sure you're on okay thank you uh good morning everyone it's nice to see you all i'm bill churchill a member of this congregation a board member an occasional usher at the unitarian universalist area church at first parish as i see it our uuac community exists for two outstandingly important reasons First, to offer and provide presence, caring, help, and love to the members of our community who occasionally need it. And second, to work together to make the world outside our sanctuary a better place. Right about now, I feel the need for both elements of our core mission are more important than ever. For those of you listening, who are beset with fear, financial uncertainty, and anxiety, I urge you to reach out and ask for support from your church community. You don't have to face these challenges alone. For those of you who feel reasonably okay and perhaps even feel some sense of abundance, I urge you to offer up the resources you have to spare, whether it be time or money, to support the mission in this time of great need. In any event, I want to say that this church community offers all of you an abundance of love, presence, and support. And we also ask those of you who feel able to fulfill your pledge, to make a generous pledge for next year, or to simply make a one-time gift to help us all weather these turbulent times. Thank you. I'd now like to turn the screen over to Kevin Paul, who can talk more specifically about how to turn your generous urges into action. Thank you so much, Bill and Peter. 
I wanted to start and wish everyone a happy Passover and happy Easter. My name is Kevin Paul, member of the Finance Committee. I also want to thank our special visitors today that are joining with us over Zoom. You've heard com compelling messages from both from Peter and Bill, and you might be asking, how can I help? How can I get involved? And I want to help explain. It's a simple message. First, giving. Please give, and if you've made a pledge for this church year, please consider completing your commitment. The second is pledging. Please consider a pledge for next year, as you've heard, so we can continue to plan and create a budget for UUAC for our future. And lastly, our visitors, thank you for spending time with us this morning. And for anyone that would like to give, we encourage you to visit uuac.org to either give a gift or make a pledge. There's also instructions in this week's church email. I'll be hosting an online uh, giving and pledging session after coffee hour for anyone that needs help navigating this process. Thank you for your generosity and thank you for what each and every one of you bring to this community. I have a, um, a special uh, pass of the ball back to Nathan. I think he has a final message and I believe he has a challenge for us. Thank you, Kevin. Um, all of us have been overwhelmed by the news uh, each and every day. We wake up and we, at least I check my, you know, my phone and say maybe there's hopeful news today. And um, it's been really difficult. But Tuesday of this week, I got a call from a family in our community who said that they would like to offer a $10,000 matching gift for anyone who's able to both either increase their pledge or new pledges. Um, and this is a, a $10,000 matching gift on top of the pledge that this family's already given. So um, that was a good news. That was a good news day. And um, it made me, it helped me get through uh, that day and the rest of the week knowing that their support and your support, friends, enable us to, um, to offer the incredible need uh, and the ministry and the mission during this time. This morning we have 213 devices uh, signed up. That means probably about 400 people, I think. And um, our love and our ministry and our mission reach out beyond these screens. So if you're able to, um, please uh, support as you, as you can. And uh, we love you and we thank you. Emily, our prayer. Thanks, Nathan. Friends, it's now time that we move into a space of quiet, of prayer and meditation. So I invite you all to find a comfortable position, sit back in your chairs or your couches, wherever it is that you're sitting, just get comfortable. If you're holding a glass or a mug or something, I invite you to put it down just for the next few moments. And just take a deep breath in and out. And one more time, another deep breath in and out. And for the next few moments, give your mind, your heart, and your body the gift of just resting in peace. Put down your anxiety, put down your worries and your grief and your fears just for a few moments and let yourself rest in this space of belonging and love. We'll start our call to prayer uh, with Spirit of Life and Sarah, we will play Sarah's recording and you're invited to sing along or simply listen.
So in this virtual space of worship, we will again be offering our prayers through the chat box. First, prayers for our loved ones, then prayers for our world, and finally, prayers of thanksgiving. So if you haven't done this before, just click the chat link on the bottom of your screen and the chat box will open on the right-hand side. So first, for our loved ones, for those nearest and dearest to us, whether they are in the same room with you right now or halfway across the world, I invite you all to write your prayers for your loved ones in the chat box now. For all of these prayers, friends, we light a candle. For our world, for every human being on this planet who has been affected in some way by this virus, I now invite you to write your prayers for the world in our chat box. For all of these prayers for our world, we light a candle. And finally, on this Easter morning, we remember the many, many blessings of this life. And now I encourage you all to write as many prayers of thanksgiving as you can name in the chat box.
Thank you all for offering your beautiful, beautiful prayers. Will you please now join me in prayer? Spirit of life and that which holds us all, today we choose to bless the world. We bless our healthcare workers, every single person who is standing at the front lines of this crisis day after day, offering care and putting their own lives at risk to save others. We bless our farmers working to plant and grow our food, demonstrating the truth that life goes on, that there is a future waiting to be held. We bless those who are still working to support our living, garbage collectors, grocery store clerks, postal workers, and delivery drivers, that they too may be kept safe from infection. We bless our leaders who are pressed to make hard choices in an unprecedented time. And we bless our journalists who report the news and work to keep our leadership accountable. We bless our teachers and principals who are innovating new ways to teach our children. And we bless our parents and children who are striving to learn these new ways together. We bless those whose health lives in the balance, whether they are sick with this virus, immunocompromised, or suffering other challenges to their physical and mental health. In this blessing, we include the homeless, refugees, those in prison, and those exposed to domestic violence. We bless the souls of those who have died that they may now find peace from their suffering. And we bless those who mourn their passing. May they feel the eternal presence of those who are no longer with them. We bless our families and loved ones, whether they are sitting next to us on the couch or live a half a world away. We bless the phone calls, the texts, the Zoom chats, and all of the ways technology enables us to stay connected in a scary time. We bless our ministers and the leadership of this congregation and all congregations, those who teach us to love each other, to have a faith that is resilient, and who call us to be the people that we want to be. And we bless this Easter day, full of the promise of renewal, a day that celebrates the love that is greater than suffering, greater than sorrow, greater even than death. May we remember today and every day to bless the love that we are blessed to share. May it be so. Amen. Let us now be still together. I'd like to now welcome Catherine McHugh, who will give us our reading.
Today's reading is called Easter Sunday by Gretchen Haley. All you can do is walk into Jerusalem with the hosannas ringing in your ears and the psalms, palms coming out at you in every direction when you're already remembering the bitter of what comes next. And then all you have in the morning forward into the city and the call that says, you've been preparing for this your whole life. That every good thing will come undone does not make it at all make-believe. And when the world turns upside down and lovers become strangers and thieves and betrayers turn out to be the beloved beside you in the dark, even when the palms turn to passion, even then, you can still throw your arms open wide and turn forgiveness over and over on your tongue until it just falls out and you find yourself empty of everything for a moment until the breath begins again, the rise and the fall, and the next morning comes gloriously steady with life. Friends, each week we share our weekly offering with organizations doing the much needed work of justice in our world. And this week we are sharing our plate with the COVID specific relief fund, the Mass Redistribution Fund, which is supporting several community led relief efforts uh, related to COVID-19 across Massachusetts. Donations to the mass, mass redistribution fund will go directly to community organizations that have longstanding relationships with the most vulnerable populations in Massachusetts. And these community organizations have set up special funds for COVID relief for their constituents, often people who would not otherwise be available for relief funds. These community organizations are working around the clock to meet the needs of our neighbors who are most at risk in this crisis from low-income renters facing eviction, to undocumented workers, to people in prison. We are now collecting our offering through Realm, and if you've never done that before, you'll see a slide right now with instructions on how to give, and the link to Realm will be in the chat box to your right. And this information will also be posted again at the end of the service. And if you need help getting into Realm, if you'd like to stay after um, our 20-minute coffee hour, Kevin will be staying on this Zoom call to help anybody who needs to get into Realm do that. Please also note that Sunday morning is the busiest time for Realm because it's an online church system, um, an online giving system specifically for churches. So right now is their very busiest time and with... Um, more churches being online, they've been experiencing um, overloading on their systems. So if you get a busy signal, or if it just says that the, if it's not loading correctly, uh, just try again after worship and it should be good. So we invite you to give generously and our offertory music will now be played.
Thanks, Lord. With these hands. With these hands. 
that was pretty amazing. Let us thank, uh, you can just applaud into your living rooms there for um, all the singers and for Bruce Springsteen who wrote that song, City of Ruins, after 9-11. So friends, here is our world. Beautiful and terrible things happen. Let us try and not be afraid. Let us keep our hearts tender and our eyes soft and our words true because this is what you and I are about. We know there is no answer but to love each other. We bear witness against unnecessary destruction and we come gathering community across the screens this morning to practice being the person that we say we want to be. We cannot do everything. Sometimes even now it feels like we can hardly do much at all. But we can show up and that's something that we're doing is not nothing. So let us forget our perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. And you can stay with me if you know the words. That is how the light gets in. So every year um, on Easter, I think this is my 18th one uh, with all of you. I always wish us a happy Easter and I did that this morning, but this year it doesn't feel like enough to wish us with. And that's because maybe for the first time in our lives, we are spending this holiday and the Passover holiday physically separated from family and friends and traditions that help us mark the time and remind us of who we hope to be. And that brings up for me, and I know for you, all kinds of emotions. There is um, sadness, there is emptiness, there's heartache, there is um, surrender, and there's acceptance. It feels like this much is true. If Good Friday is said to be the day that Jesus died on the cross, and we are reminded of life's fragility, and Easter is said to be the day that Jesus rose from the dead, and we are reminded of life's renewal and recovery, I think it might be fair to say that even though we woke this morning on Easter morning, it kind of feels like we're all living in a little bit of a Good Friday world. So this morning I want us to offer us a, um, an additional word to the happy word for Easter. And that word is resilient. And I looked it up as you can well imagine. <laughs> the word resilient means to flex and it means to bend. And in particular, it means not to break under pressure. Happy Easter, yes, but also I'm thinking resilient Easter. Because we're in this incredible tension of this time, you and I. And it might feel like sometimes, like we're close to, to breaking or to snapping. And I 
also know that all of us are kind of asking ourselves and each other how we can help each other bend and flex with something like the Easter promise that says life is renewed despite it all. This morning I have asked um, two among us, both who work in the healthcare field, Aaron Collier and Doug Brown, to talk about resilience in their own life and how that resilience is helping them in this moment that we're in. And we begin with Aaron, who right now, this morning, as we're all here together, right now is at her job as a nurse at Brigham and Women's Hospital. And Aaron recorded this video for us, I think, on, um, on Thursday night. So we get to hear first from Aaron as Al Green, who's been our tech wizard this morning, so much to do as Al loads her video for us. Good morning and happy Easter. When Nathan asked me to speak last week on my experience of resilience, I was newly emerging from a prolonged spell of hard work. In the past 18 months, I've left a marriage of 26 years, solo parented two teenagers, and worked long days as a palliative care nurse, where I am today while you're listening to this. I've cared for dogs, a flock of chickens, and a large garden. I folded up and packed away a long life at a 10-acre property. And in my spare time, I juggled divorce mediation and legal consultation, realtors, and loan officers. I've scaled back most of my possessions, found and purchased a tiny little house and arranged to reduce my work life by 30%. I shaved down and carved out a new life for myself. At the starting line of the big work of packing up and moving out, I found inspiration in a Wilkie quote that I placed at eye level on our bare refrigerator. Let everything happen to you, beauty and terror, just keep going. So what do I know of resilience? of not only surviving, but hopefully growing and thriving and finding enjoyment in my days. Mostly, my sense of resilience comes from the quality of surrender. Not surrender as defeat, but surrender as receiving. The boundaries of what I managed in this extended interval transition were defined by hard deadlines, moving truck on this day, purchase closing on the next. But the pace, at times rigorous and muscular, other times quiet and measured, was set by natural rhythms of energy and exhaustion. But what kept me on my feet and moving was not my will alone. There was this, but my desire was the fuel, not the engine. The engine, the muscle that moved this freight of an unmanageable life in the direction of something profoundly more simple and small, was grace and God and the universe itself. Physical energy came sometimes in spades when it was most needed. Kind, patient, and willing helpers appeared. When neither drive or aid was available, I was invited and guided to rest, and I did. The message was clear throughout. Do only when and what you can. All the rest will be taken care of. Resilience here was trust. Resilience here was releasing my fear and my inability and my exhaustion to process. I used to live under the delusion that I needed to take action unceasingly and without rest to create the outcome I desired. The tactic did not work. 
I remained mired in static, unhappy relationship, overdoing work and obligation and wearing myself out. I've since come to rely on essential lessons about trust and release. I make decisions to the best of my ability and aim to accept the outcome. I take action in ways that enliven me, that refuel the best parts of myself, such that I act from my heart. When my mind tenses, I seek and find ease in my body. I use the rhythm and the wisdom of breath, that which happens so naturally without my mental intervention. Noticing this organic process, which sustains me without my will, reminds me in any given moment of the gifts that come unbidden and the ever-flowing state of flux that is life. I have a choice in how I respond to even this pandemic, perhaps the most persistent direct threat to my life and the lives of those I love that I've ever known. I can tense against it, living in future fear and losing this moment, or I can receive even this not lamenting my losses, but seeing the grace that is here too. I can remember the countless examples of times when I felt myself to be without options, without answers, or a clear path forward, and the beautiful solution that came without my intervention. I did nothing. I trusted the natural process. As Rilke said, I let everything happen to me, the beauty and the terror. Now I know to trust the wisdom of not knowing. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Kathleen. Next, we have Doug Brown. Good morning. Before I talk to you about resilience, I must first set some important context by giving you a brief window into my proud history of academic accomplishment. My story starts in third grade when my teacher would pull me and my desk into the hallway and let me know that I would not amount to very much. In sixth grade, when I struggled with an essay in English class, my teacher told me not to worry because not every child can grow up to be a good writer. Then came eighth grade, the very pinnacle of my academic pursuits. As evidence of this stellar performance, I have my report card. We start with English. You will notice the grade and the note, Doug's good cheer is sometimes overshadowed by his lack of attention and disturbing attitude. Next is US history. Similar grade, as discussed, Doug's major problem has been his inconsistent level of achievement and his negative attitude. And the highlight of my term, of course, was Latin. Doug has shown little interest in improving his general understanding. His questions in class, rather than being based on a real desire to learn, are of an argumentative nature. 
College was not much better for me. In my sophomore year, my advisor dashed my hopes of going to law school when he told me that students with my grades and LSAT scores generally choose a calling other than the law. So what happened? How did I overcome these challenges and obvious shortcomings to carry on and make something of my life? I think it boils down to showing up and getting up. In 1910, President Theodore Roosevelt defined for us what showing up means when he gave a speech about citizenship in a republic. In the now famous address, he noted that it is not the critic on the sidelines who counts, but, quote, the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again, but who spends himself in a worthy cause, and who, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. Showing up is spending yourself in a worthy cause and daring greatly. Sometimes that means putting yourself out there in a big way, but other times it can mean just getting out of bed, as Emily referenced so beautifully last week. Beyond my academic struggles, I have had a few epic career failures as well, and they have been painful. But what has influenced my life much more than these failures was how I responded to them. In each case, I got up. Sometimes it took me a while, but I eventually got back to spending myself in a new and different worthy cause. And that has made all the difference. I did end up going to law school and becoming a lawyer. I've had a rewarding career in the private sector and government and in healthcare. And that sixth grade kid who couldn't write published seven op-ed pieces in the Boston Globe. I guess I fooled a lot of editors. Here's the interesting thing. In each instance, my failures opened up new pathways that led to much higher levels of satisfaction and achievement. With the benefit of time, I've come to believe that the big events upon which we spend the most obsessive energy are not the key determinants of a good life. It is everything we do in between, how we routinely show up and get up. Deirdre Sullivan wrote an essay for National Public Radio in which she beautifully describes these in-between moments. It is entitled, Always Go to the Funeral. And this is what she says. In my humdrum life, the daily battle hasn't been good versus evil. It is hardly so epic. Most days, my real battle is doing good versus doing nothing. In going to funerals, I've come to believe that while I wait to make a grand heroic gesture, I should just stick to the small inconveniences that let me share in life's inevitable, occasional calamity. We are all going through one big calamity right now. This pandemic has turned our world upside down, but I am deeply inspired 
by witnessing so many people showing up and inconveniencing themselves for the hospital system where I work. I see people donating coffee and food and supplies and apartments. I see manufacturers retooling their operations to make face shields to protect our staff. I see families making homemade face masks and medical students graduating early so they can help. And I see caregivers like Erin going to the front lines, putting their own life at risk to take care of patients who need us. People showing up, doing their jobs, sometimes heroic, sometimes routine, but always for the greater good. We will get through this pandemic. And when we do, together as a congregation, we will get up and continue spending ourselves in worthy causes, some heroic and some routine, because that's what we do. That is resilience. Thank you. Many of you um, will remember, it was a little over a year ago that our now 19-year-old son, Emerson, spent a week in the hospital and then several days in the ICU with flu that progressed into pneumonia. It was a frightening time marked by one unanswerable question after another. Why is this happening? What's gonna happen next? What's the treatment? When's he gonna get better? He will get better, right? And we didn't so much ask these questions out loud as we did ask them with our eyes, with the urgency of sitting on the edge of his bed, waiting for his immune system to rally, and the careful watching and listening of doctors and nurses, God bless each and all of them, for any signs and signals that we could see beneath their N95 masks. The gospel stories say that the night before Jesus was killed, he spent the night in the garden of Gethsemane and he pleaded with God to, quote, take this cup from me. In our language, it might sound like, why is this happening? Stop this from happening. Help me. Now, I don't normally offer prayers that sound like that because I don't believe in a God that chooses who lives and who dies. But I do remember um, feeling that prayer in me. Often in the car when I drove back and forth to and from the hospital to home to care for our daughter, Ella, who was still at home while Karen stayed at the hospital each and every day, each and every night. She never left his side. 
I also remember um, speaking in another kind of prayer. And I didn't use the word resilience, but I think it's a little bit what it, what it was. They sounded like, please help me make Annie's mac and cheese when I get home so I can make things seem as normal as possible. Please help Karen and Emerson sleep without dreams because sleeping in the hospital is next to impossible. Please don't let me get too far and too fast on the train of worry. Don't let that worry whisk me away. And when in that week, it felt like a lifetime, by the way, I also asked for prayers of help from, from others and from many of you. Pasta dishes at the door, hospital visits, and emails and texts and phone calls that simply said, you know, we're, we're here for you. And that's actually the thing about resilience about the ability to bend and not break, how it actually doesn't come from within. It doesn't come from within because self-reliance is completely overrated. It's a myth. Resilience has never been up to us. It's, it's always, it always comes from others. We aren't resilient by ourselves. We never are, we never were. We are resilient when we let ourselves be held by others. You know, I, and I have never forgotten that after Emerson recovered. And he, and he came home and he graduated from high school and he went off to college. And then four weeks ago, he came home from college. And now he's listening in the other room and he's eating all of our food again. I have been thinking a lot about that time in the hospital over a year ago, as all of this has unfolded. Partly because the images and the stories feel so, um, they remind me of that. But also because it was, that time it was in February and March, but it was undoubtedly a Good Friday time for us. The fragility of life was, was like completely laid bare for us how tenuous life can be, how delicate. But it was like also this Easter resilient time for us. It was like this practice of leaning into other people and leaning, leaning on for me who God is like just, and, and I felt, and we felt, we felt like held, like held up. So we didn't break. That's what I want to wish us um, this morning, this Easter morning, in this sort of Good Friday time that we're living in. I want us to know that 
And I want to feel, and I want you to feel that you're upheld. For those of you that are, that are just like, you know, you're, you're home with kids and you're, you're close to breaking, I want you to know that the God that I believe in and that this community is holding you. If you are worried about a dad or a mom or a grandparent in the hospital, I want you to know that we are holding you, that we are up holding you. If you are aching for a loved one in a nursing home, as so many of us are, as we saw in the chat box earlier, we hold you, you are upheld. If you're about to lose your mind to yet another Zoom session and you can't figure out how to mute yourself or unmute yourself and you didn't know you looked that way on the screen, we hold you. And if you are like me, like sometimes on that big old train of worry and you got on like two miles ago and you're speeding off into the unknown, I want you with me to get off at the next stop and just let that train go because you are being held. You are being held in this moment, in this time. This is like, this is a hard time. This is a hard time. This is like, this is a Good Friday time. But the thing is, is that we get to lean in together and we get to lean on together. And I think when we do that, that we, in this Good Friday time, I think that we can be an Easter people. I believe that. I believe that. So I wanna wish us a happy Easter, but even more than that, I wanna wish us a, um, a resilient Easter this year. I'm sending you all every amount of love and support and light and hope and renewal. And I just, I just look forward to seeing us again, whenever that might be. And until then, this is what we got. And in all of its complexity, it's also pretty wonderful. Amen. Sarah's gonna introduce our last hymn, My Life Flows On, an Endless Song. It is a beautiful one. As always, the lyrics are in the chat box. Please sing along heartily in your homes and have a wonderful Easter.
together our call to ministry. Daryl will put the words into our chat box. We go forth into the world in peace to act with works of love, to affirm each person's dignity, and to cherish the living earth. Our benediction from James Broughton. Shake out your qualms, shake up your dreams, deepen your roots, extend your branches, Trust deep water and head for the open, even when your vision shipwrecks you. Quit your addiction to sneer and complain. Open a lookout, dance on a brink. Run with your wildfire. You are closer to glory leaping in abyss than you are upholstering a rut. Not dawdling, not doubting, intrepid all the way. Walk toward clarity. At every crossroad, be prepared to bump into wonder. Only love prevails. And when you're en route to disaster, insist on cantos. Lift your ineffable out of the mundane and remember that nothing perishes, nothing survives, but everything transforms. And last but not least, on Easter, honeymoon with big joy. Thank you for being with us this morning. We invite you, if you'd like to, to stay for a virtual coffee hour following um, the postlude, and uh, Heather Kincannon will uh, uh, show us how to do that. So if you'd like to stay for coffee hour, uh, please just stay after our postlude is played and we will split you into groups. We'll have about 20 minutes to say hello to one another. Good to see you all. Well, it 
it goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall and the major lift, the baffled king composing, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. 